Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to follow the sport of volleyball on a professional level on the men's side. Today we'll be mostly talking about the Italian League. We've had a couple rounds of play since the last podcast, a little bit about Poland as well, although that league is semi on hold due to COVID and maybe a little Champions League as well. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. So there's already been a couple of uh, big upsets here in Italy. The first one I'll talk about is uh, Top Volley Sisterna beating Padova publicly on national television in Italy on Rai Sport. So this is the game where they bring the production trucks out. They get some high definition replays. They get that 1080p. Unfortunately, Sisterna did not deliver. I would say they were the favorites in this match. Sisterna, a team that everyone was kind of uh, looking would be improved since last season. Or on the other hand, Padova losing some key players like Yuki Ishikawa. And a lot of people thought they were the favorites to be relegated, including myself. Still early on in the season, can't make any definitive claims here, but Padova making a pretty good statement 3 0 win over Sisterna in the second round. Uh, one player I'll highlight who I want to talk about a bit later too Matteo Batolo, an Italian, born in the year 2000, so really young guy. Looked pretty uh, comfortable in a high-level match in this one. Scoring 14 for 26, so getting a lot of sets. Only second to 27 for Tonjek Stern, who scored on 12 of those. 17 points overall for him. But Patolo, a young Italian guy to uh, keep your eyes on. Unfortunately, he did follow it up with a 1-for-11 performance against Perugia in the next game. So, unfortunate, but still, for a lot of most young guys, the consistency isn't going to be there. But nice to see maybe another potential... Uh, contender for outside hitter on the Italian team because some of the guys who we thought were shoo-ins earlier are, are not performing up to the par. Uh, let's put it that way, guys like Daniele Lavia and Oresto Cavuto, who also played in this game. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Sustana because things are not going well for them right now. 0-3, despite making some pretty good free agent signings last season. Uh, guys like Kevin Tilly, Luigi Randazzo, Tobias Creek. So they've added some pretty talented players, in my opinion. And, you know, I love Domenico Cavaccini, Le Libero. They managed to keep Arta Schwartz, the uh, Canadian middle blocker, although may not be <laughs> too much longer, as we will see soon. And uh, Jorgi Seganov, the Bulgarian setter, who's, you know, had a pretty good amount of success with the Bulgarian national team. So on paper, probably a playoff team in the Italian Super League, in my opinion. But 0-3, I mean, not the end of the road for them so far, but if they keep going down this path, then it's going to be tough. And I think right now, most of their issue is probably on the wings, both in terms of attacking and hitting. So they've done some weird stuff over the past few days. And uh, it seems like one of the biggest issues from them right off the bat is the opposite they signed, uh, Samuel Onuelo, who... Uh, played a bit of A2 last season, and now uh, apparently was good enough to start on this team. Uh, has really struggled a lot so far. So they they tried some weird stuff. They were playing kind of a three outside lineup with four passers with Kevin Tilly, Aresta Cavuto, and Luigi Randazzo. And then in the most recent match, they actually started Arthur Schwartz, the Canadian middle blocker who uh, gets quite a bit of time with the Canadian national team usually as a second or third middle, playing it opposite 
doing it kind of a Rudy Verhoof style. I mean, middle to opposite is not that rare of a difference. You see Robert Landy Simons made that switch a couple times. Dimitri Mazursky uh, could switch between those two positions. So definitely not unheard of. But I mean, three games into the season, and, and I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure if Schwartz has played opposite on this level before. But anyway, had a, had a fairly good game. 21 for 39 attacking. Got blocked a few times. But yeah, 22 points. Better than Anuelo was doing for sure. So let's see if they uh, keep going with this lineup or, or that was just an experiment. But uh, yeah, Kevin Tilly also had a really terrible first couple of games. I think he was hitting negative on the season between the first couple of games, which is when... You have more errors than kills when you're attacking. So definitely not something you want to uh, have. Played a bit better in the game against Piacenza, which is the most recent game they played that they lost. But he hit 10 for 19. Uh, two aces, two blocks. So hopefully Tilly will come around. He's definitely a very talented player. I would say at this point between him and Randazzo, I would probably take uh, Tilly especially given uh, Rendazzo hasn't really played high-level volleyball in the last couple of years. But uh, top volley Sisterna, kind of the disappointing story of the season, especially given that they're one of the only teams to improve their roster from pre-corona to post-corona play. Another important game I want to talk about that took place last night. I think I was really excited for this game. You know, two of the top teams in the Italian league battling it out. Seeing how Trentino does against another one of the top teams in Lube Civitanova. But it ended up, I mean, the level of play was high. It was a pretty interesting game. But still, uh, the 3-0 win for Cucine Lube Civitanova. Hitting 56% as a team with only 10 errors, which is really good against a uh, great blocking team like Trentino. On the other side of the net, Trentino, 47% attacking with 16 errors. So... Not quite as good for them. I think uh, Dick Coy, you know, it was nice that he was able to become an Italian uh, player, counts as an Italian player on the team. However, he's definitely their most limited um, offensive option. I think he failed to convert on some good opportunities that uh, Simone Gianelli was feeding him and Juan Terena and Leal just completely outplayed the wings for Trentino. I think you can see the experience of those guys playing together a lot in a game like this. I mean, Lube barely changed their team. Obviously, they changed Bruno for DiCeco. But, I mean, DiCeco is a guy, I, f I feel like he's such a talented, precise pinpoint setter. You can kind of just throw him in and uh, and be fine. Yeah, Leal with 15 for 21 hitting. Juan Terena for 13 for 20 hitting. So, Lube Civitanova, it's kind of looking like a bit of a two-horse race in the Italian league right now between Cucine Lube, Civitanova, and uh, Perugia. They're both at the top of the standings. Perugia with nine points. Uh, Lube with eight points. Lost one going to a tiebreak against Ravenna in the uh, second round. So interesting there. Uh, then Milano, Verona, Piacenza, Morena, Monza, Trentino round out the rest of the playoff teams. Interestingly, Trentino, one and two so far. Kind of uh, was the victim of an upset loss against Verona. And then, okay, so they, you can expect them for sure to lose against Lu Lube. I mean, there's no shame in that. But the loss against uh, Verona was interesting. Because like Padova, they're another team that we're kind of expecting to maybe uh, take a step back. 
But in that match, Thomas Szyski played pretty well. Stefan Boyer played well. And Trentino with just a lot of serving errors and getting blocked a lot. Just, just overall, not a great game for them. So we'll see. Still early days in the Italian league so far, but it looks like the competition to avoid relegation and kind of the competition to grab those last few playoff spots will be a little bit more competitive than we expected if Padova isn't uh, just an easy shoe-in for getting out of the league and also if teams like Verona are competing for playoff spots. Let's talk a bit about Milano versus Monza, another match that took place in the second round. Milano winning 3-1. They're sitting at 2-1 in the league so far. I like Milano a lot. I think they're the team I'm probably going to watch the most of this year. They have Stephen Marr, an outside hitter, a guy who I played with a bit in high school, and also Yuki Ishikawa, just a fan favorite. Jean Patry, Nicola Pesaresi. I feel like someone just made a team of kind of like my low-key favorite underrated players, put them all together, and this is what we got in Milano. So great win in this one. However, one guy I do want to talk about on Monza, who you may remember from my last podcast, and if you're a longtime listener of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, you might remember him from, I think, like a year and a half ago when I did a Top Prospects podcast. Addis Lagumzija looking pretty good in the Italian Super League so far. He was actually at the top of the league before his last game, which wasn't quite as good, but 52 points in the young season so far. Not super efficient, but he looks pretty good out there, to be honest. Uh, very athletic in the air. He was just abusing Yuki Ishikawa in this match. Ishikawa, great player, not the best blocker. It's still uh, questionable whether he can keep a set load like this for an entire season. Maybe he gets tired. Maybe his conditioning's not that great. That makes me a bit nervous from the last match, but definitely a lot of potential for this young guy. And also another guy on Monza who I want to talk about a bit. Marcos Tedlicek, still doing really well. Again, like uh, Legum Zija had a bit of a down game in the last one but I think for sure from what I've seen from me he's just gonna be the second outside hitter for Monza the entire season. Perugia another team near the top of the standings I just want to talk about their opposite situation I talked about it a bit in the last podcast uh, during the Super Cup where Shawan Vernon Evans the Canadian opposite started the match got subbed out for Teister Horst and it looks like that is going to be the lineup that Perugia is going to go with for now. It's too bad because that starting spot was definitely Shawan's to lose. Unfortunately, I guess, yeah, maybe fell into some old habits early on, hit into the block a lot. Uh, his serve was looking a little better, but yeah, the attacking maybe not where it needed to be. Teister Horse, though, playing pretty well. Hit 11 for 19 in his last match, which is nice to see. And again, like I mentioned last, I'm not a guy you see often at opposite but you know if there's one person i trust to make weird lineup decisions work weird positions work it's probably Vidal hanen he's probably been training his guys to play weird positions from the start so we'll see what perugia decides to go with i mean part of me thinks that shawan will eventually get back into the starting lineup and then of course probably alexander tanasevich will come back and start the rest of the year of course but but uh, hopefully Shawan gets in for another match or two before that happens. One little segment I haven't done on the podcast yet recently is the performance 
of the week. And I, and I don't know necessarily it's, if it's going to be exactly each round or week this year because my podcasting schedule hasn't isn't going to be quite as consistent, but just basically the best performance since I last recorded a podcast. And the first person that came to mind this week was Aaron Russell, the win against Cisterna. Fat Ron Russell had a great hitting performance, a fantastic blocking performance, a great serving performance, and he didn't make that many errors in passing. So for Aaron Russell, that's a huge win for him. Fantastic all-around game, completely dominant at the net. Hit 16 for 29, only two errors, five kill blocks, which is amazing to see from your outside hitter, Aaron Russell, putting that huge 6-9 frame to good use. And then, why not? Three aces with no errors and 17 total serves, tied for most on the team. So, you know, Aaron Russell was struggling a bit in the first couple of games. And it wasn't kind of unclear whether he would be the alpha dog between him and your Grozier. Still not sure for sure who the top guy is going to be on that team. I think Aaron Russell is definitely the more complete overall player at this stage in their career. Grozier also subbed off in this one for Oleg Antonov coming in at opposite, which usually is a natural outside hitter. So it seems like anyone can play opposite this season. But yeah, Aaron Russell with a fantastic performance. Also, Luciano DiCeco for Lubechiv Tanova in their 3 0 win against Trentino. Already talked a bit about this game, but yeah, DiCeco was just putting on a clinic. He had good passing, but not amazing. I mean, you're probably not going to get incredible passing from Yoandi Leal. Really made the most of it, kept the blockers moving from left to right, really put the ball in the pocket for his outside hitters, gave them lots of options, even if the pass was kind of off the net near the attack line, what we call a two-pass or even sometimes a one-pass. And man, watching Dicheco put the ball behind him from anywhere on the court is just a beautiful thing to see. And the third nominee for performance of the week, the French middle blocker Barthelemy Chininez against, against Milano in the 3-1 win last night. 9 for 13 hitting, so a lot of offensive output from your middle in a 4-point win. Two blocks, but also was very active on the net. Way more block touches than that. Really wish block touches were a stat in professional volleyball. And also, probably the most interesting thing, in my opinion, three aces for Chin and Yez. Like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Chin and Yez, usually a pretty uh, pedestrian float server, puts the ball in, doesn't do too much more than that. But no, the young French middle was spin-serving this game, a new weapon in the arsenal. And he closed the fourth set, went back to serve, I think at 20 to 19, threw a couple aces down, put the dagger in the game. And I love to see that. I love to see guys trying out new serves, switching it up, trying out something different. And it seemed to have worked well for Chin Yez, So hopefully that is something he's able to utilize uh, for the French national team and going forward for Vivo Valencia. And I don't know, man. We'll, we'll have to watch a few more games. But for me, Chen is, is making a real good argument that he is the best French middle right now. Could see him as the MB1 in Tokyo. That That's my prediction. I don't think it's too reactionary to because he has been playing very well for pretty much all of 2020 in, in, the, in the matches we have had this year.
But overall, I'm going to have to go with Aaron Russell, Fat Ron, American outside hitter, as my performance of the week. Really good stuff from Aaron Russell. After there were some questions about Piacenza at the beginning of the year, losing early in the Italian Cup, firing the coach before the season even started. Still think that was too early, but they seem to be getting a little bit back on track. Definitely look like a playoff team, and I think Aaron Russell will definitely be one of the main forces for them going forward. Looking forward to next week, there will be some good games in terms of who's going to jostle for positions. Milano versus Modena, Monza versus Civitanova, and Piacenza versus Trentino, which is going to be the Rye Sport game taking place on Sunday at 5 o'clock Central European time. So we'll see. That's actually a pretty big game because if Trentino loses this game as well, starting out the season at 1-3 and three after spending so much money on really amazing new players, you know, it, there's going to be some questions, there's going to be some negative media attention, and that kind of thing can spiral out of control. So probably the right game for Rye to choose. It's going to be a really interesting one. <music> Let's move on to Poland, where they were a little farther in their season, but at this rate, Italy might catch up with them because, unfortunately, uh, lots of teams being quarantined uh, because of COVID reasons and games having to be canceled, rescheduled, and the league is on not not a complete pause, but, you know, given the rate that the, the league usually operates at in uh, Poland, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit slow recently. Seko Rosovia beat Radom uh, in five sets in one of the most interesting matches in the last few days, which is a big win for Rosovia because they're only three and two right now. And like Trentino, they're a team that definitely went out and spent a little money this season, a legendary team that underperformed uh, maybe in the last season, wasn't up to expectations of their fan base or from leadership. So everyone counts a lot for them, especially because in the past, they have definitely started out really weak and, you know, kind of come on as the season goes, but but definitely uh, they really want to avoid a weak start. And a couple of players who have been preventing that have been Fabian Drija, the Polish national team setter, has been looking great for them so far, in my opinion. Looking better than his compatriot slash competition, Gregor Zlomaj on PGA Skral Belzhutov. Also, Karol Butrin has looked really good for them as the opposite so far. There's a bit of a question over who would be the, the opposite, at least in my mind, before the start of the season. Damon Domagala, kind of a young and bouncy opposite. Then obviously Butrin, kind of more of a veteran, undersized guy. Maybe even Clement Chebulj has played some opposite in the past and not the best passer ever. But Butrin, 27 points on a very efficient 26 for 43, only five errors in this match. So 49% efficiency. Looks pretty good. I, I think they're going to roll with that going forward. There does there are some weird scenarios on Rosovia, though, with all the foreign players, as I talked about earlier. So in this match, they had to decide between Timo Timima, the Estonian middle, versus Jeffrey Jendrik, the American middle. In my mind, pretty obvious choice. Jendrik, I think, is one of the best players on this team. Should get on the court as much as possible, even if he's not quite used to the play in the Polish league, I, I think. You need to get him on the court getting reps because he's going to be huge for you if you want to make a playoff run. No Nicholas Szczesin in this match. Also, 
Rafael Busek, who was been a major player in the Polish league in the past and on the Polish national team, had a great couple of seasons with Zaksa Kozerzyn Kozel a couple of years ago, but has been a bit quiet recently, not really on the national team, wasn't really doing much in the domestic league either. So maybe we could see a bounce back from Buzek. We talked a lot about in the season preview about a few Polish guys that were having down years, guys like Damien Schulz and Matej Mika. I'm not sure if Buzek made this list because I really expected him to just kind of be done given that he is already 34 years old. But let's see if he can keep this up. And another team that I don't think I gave enough credit to on the last podcast talking about the Plus Liga is Aluron Warta Zavierci, the team formerly coached by Mark Lebedu last year. I said in my season preview, they didn't really make that many great roster additions. They lost one of the best coaches in volleyball, in my opinion. Didn't like where the team was heading, kind of wrote them off as a playoff team. But man, they have looked pretty good so far. Second place in the entire league at three and one so far with four points. Second only to Zaksa Kajushin Kozil. Matej Malinowski has been amazing for them so far. Not a guy who you really expect to be leading the league in points by 20, but that's where he is. I mean, it's kind of a funny top five leading scores in this Plus Liga. Malinowski first. Camille Seminiak in second, Jakub Yerosh in third, Bartholomej Lipinski in fourth. I mean, yeah, certainly not, not the set of names that you would have predicted at the beginning. Probably not the set of names that we'll see once this season is finished, but it's kind of interesting. It uh, goes to show the depth of talent in the Polish league. Now, there's so many guys who can come and make this big of an impact. I highly doubt that Zavierci will continue this level of play throughout the season they have a couple uh you know interesting games coming up against Rodome and then against Rosovia I think those two games against who I consider to be fairly equal competition to them it'll be quite important if they win both games and okay maybe they're the real deal but let's see how that goes first also uh, I mentioned Camille Semeniak was second in the league in scoring for Zaxa looking like their best player probably most of the time out here definitely their best outside hitter best wing also with two MVPs on the season, part of this like Zaxa team that is just tearing up the league right now, beat Skrab Beltotov 3-0, and have only dropped two sets so far in their five wins, so just absolutely killing teams. And, and both of those sets were in 3-1 wins. So Zaxa definitely looking like the Plus League of favorites early on. Still no Taylor Sander for Skrab. Maybe, maybe, hopefully we'll see them in their next game against Yastrebshi Vegil. But until Taylor Sander comes back, I don't think there's any real competition in this league. Now for some Champions League. We're almost done the first round, the last uh, tournaments taking place in Amersville. And actually, right before I recorded this podcast, we saw Mosaic losing to Amersville, the hometown team which is really surprising to me. I thought it would just be a clean sweep for Mosaic against uh, Soligorsk, who I thought was probably the second best team in the pool. And then Linder and Volley Amersville, a Swiss team who maybe I underrated, but yeah, typically the Swiss team's not that competitive when your best player is Thomas Zass. 
yeah, I'm not really a team that I expect to be a storied franchise like Mosaic. And to be fair, there were, there were a couple issues with Mosaic, which, okay, I'm not sure if it's to do with coaching because Joel Banks is a fantastic coach or, or they were just hit by injuries at the wrong time. Peter Verhees went down in the first game, kind of twisted an ankle at like 4-5 in the first set. That was very unfortunate. Peter Verhees, probably one of their leading players, the very talented, experienced Belgian middle blocker. And also the other middle blocker that they brought in this season, Mitch Stahl, who was dressing for games. So I'm not sure uh, if he was healthy or not. I definitely think he was injured because there's no reason... Uh, not to play him. I think he was probably even better than Verhees as your top middle. Mitch Stahl, uh, really been a guy who's developed over the last couple of years, got some really good time with Team USA 18 in the 2019 summer. Uh, has a really nice uh, spin serve for middle. A guy I think really would have helped Mosaic tip the balance here. So yeah, I mean, it definitely would have been crazy if he wasn't playing. And then another coaching decision maybe I disagree with was uh, not playing the young Iranian outside hitter as Mirs Fandiar, the reigning U21 World Championship MVP, instead opting to go with Yelteman and Jan Martinez. And okay, yeah, those guys are much better passers than Amir. And okay, Yelteman is, you know, I think the captain of the team, a really big member of the franchise, been there forever, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, if you want to qualify for the next round of Champions League, like, come on, you gotta you gotta play a guy who's six eleven, uh, hits like a cannon, one of the best like young talented players in the world. Seems like an oversight in my opinion. Maybe he was a bit injured too, but he he did come in a few times, and looked all right. But anyway, uh, Mosaic was forced because of the injuries to Peter Verhees and whatever was happening with Stahl to play Lou Kintz in the middle, who I I thought did an all right job but definitely uh, not a natural middle, usually plays opposite for the team. And then also relying on Elias Theis, kind of a, a young 22-year-old, un unproven Belgian middle blocker. So that ended up being their downfall. Still probably could have beat, beat Solgors. They had, I think, seven match points against them and definitely should have still beat Amersville. I think even with the, the injuries and, and weird stuff going on, definitely the more talented team. It's unfortunate because I thought their team was pretty interesting. Would like to see them play against Moscow and Trentino because that's who they're going to play in the next round. So obviously they would have lost at that stage. But it's really too bad for Mosaic because they're kind of like a fixture in Champions League. They're just there every year. Yeah, they're never going to win a title. Um, but still, they always give good competitions. They're always good for a couple upsets here and there. Too bad. But that pool with Trentino and Moscow, we're getting closer to it. I mean, this is basically like a Champions League final match in October, which is going to be really fun. The other side of the pool, in terms of teams that are qualifying to the fourth round, Yastrebshi Vigil will be playing uh, Fino Kapsovar, Hungarian team, and CSM Arkada Galati, a Romanian team. If you don't, guys don't know those teams, it's for a good reason. They're not great clubs. Uh, Yastrebshi Vigil will take it pretty easily and take, you know, definitely an easier path to the fourth round, but they're a team that definitely deserves to be there. So yeah, Champions League is going to be a lot more exciting this year, in my opinion, with Moscow slash Trentino and Yastrebshi Vigil 
uh, in the fourth round instead of the usual um, kind of lesser clubs maybe uh, you would get there in a normal year. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm working on kind of a young prospects video uh, for my YouTube channel. So expect that coming out pretty soon. I have a trip planned to Milan next week. We were hoping to watch a live Italian league match of uh, Milano versus Ravenna next Wednesday. Unfortunately, that might not happen given the restrictions in Italy. But anyway, there there may or may not be a podcast next week. It'd be cool to watch the game, but unfortunately, safety first. Either way, I'm excited to go to Italy. It'll be interesting to see the home of volleyball, the language I've heard so much spoken over <laughs> Italian League volleyball broadcasts in person. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and I hope you guys have a good weekend.